Why do you say that, Father? You aren't afraid, are you? No. But I respect some of the superstitions of others. Often, they are founded in fact. Broadcasting live from our Sanctum Sanctorum in Venice, California. I'm Krista. I'm Kristen. And we are the, the Sixth Sense Society. Society. Welcome to another episode of the Sixth Sense Society. And we apologize for not being on the air last Sunday, but I may have been cursed. <laughs> so we'll, we'll know by the end of the show. Uh, I had a small accident, so everything's cool now. Um, we're going to, before we get into our show tonight, which is all about curses, uh, we're going to talk about some famous curses symptoms of being cursed, and remedies, let's go over the cosmic weather for the week of April 7th through the 14th. Uh, Sunday, tonight, we have a waxing crescent moon in the sign of Taurus. And also today, the asteroid series goes retrograde in 14 degrees Sagittarius, 16 minutes, and it's joining, Jupiter is joining her on Thursday, the 11th, going retrograde at 24 degrees Sagittarius, 21 minutes, 5 a.m., Pacific Daylight Time. So they're not, they're going to be in the same sign. Um, I think it series is through uh, July 18th, it's retrograde, and Jupiter through August 12th, but they're not going to form any aspects. And then fr finally, Friday, we have on the 12th, the first quarter moon is in Cancer, 22 degrees, 30 minutes at 12.06 p.m. So I did want to briefly talk about the, especially Jupiter retrograde in Sagittarius, as that is in my chart, exactly. <laughs> so I have Jupiter in Sagittarius retrograde in my midheaven. And so I have a lot of um, personal experience of that. And it's really helpful to know the difference between a retrograde planet and um, sort of a regular direct planet. And I wish I'd known when I was younger, because I, I like this one site called Pathways to Ascension. It talks about the esoteric view of retrograde. So not only is retrograde uh, a chance to be um, more inward and subjective, but it is also uh, breaks time barriers. So you can go back and forth into the past, and you can also go into the future, depending on what kind of uh, planet is retrograde. And some believe it, you're multidimensional. So you can, you can have start having memories from other past lives, and they can seem really real in this lifetime. So I like that. And the thing I wanted to emphasize about Jupiter tonight being in retrograde is a lot of the um, articles, Kristen, I've been seeing, they all talk about Jupiter being lucky and a, a good planet, but they're, they're missing a very important part of Jupiter, which is it's connected to wisdom. And Jupiter loves to learn and is associated often with philosophy and religion and spirituality. So I feel like um, that really, and that inner journey, the retrograde going inward, and also finding your own truth and, and not necessarily following um, someone exactly. I know that's true about Jupiter retrograde in Sagittarius because that has been my whole life. And when I read that, I said, oh, my God, that's just so accurate. You know, it's, a, it's the journey inward. And this is a great time for you to go inward spiritually, 
or even philosophically or look at your ideals and see what you really think about it and what you have learned and reflect on it. And you may find you have some realizations and, and real, you know, aha moments. And then added to that with series, I feel, in, in Sagittarius retrograde, there can be issues specifically connected to the, the feminine and the earth goddess and um, ideals and philosophy around that. Uh, series also rules agriculture, farming, um, and the arts, uh, healing arts especially. So maybe going in, this would be a very good time for that. So that was really the main thing I wanted to say tonight about uh, the cosmic weather was this Jupiter retrograde and and to really enjoy it. And it doesn't have to be about healing. It can just be about a reflection on, you know, your your ideals and, and things in whatever area of your life. If you don't have your chart, you can kind of just use it as an overall energy instead of like in my case, it's the 10th house. So I might look at that area, what the 10th house represents. Uh, so what would you like to add about the cosmic weather tonight? Well, it's interesting what you're saying about Jupiter, about going within, because a lot of what I've been learning about Jupiter other than it's lucky, <laughs> is that it's about taking risks. Risks to break behavior patterns. Bri risks, bri uh, risks to break um, routines that aren't, that are old, that are worn out, that are not serving us anymore, that are actually maybe even negative for us. And it's about taking these risks to do that. So it is very appropriate to say it's about going within because if you're not willing to look at yourself and see what needs to be changed within yourself without blaming other people, mm -hmm. but to really look at yourself and have that deep conscious awareness, that's when the gifts of Jupiter can come in. It's not just, yay, Jupiter, so we're all going to get expansion. It's, it really is about going within, taking a risk on yourself. I like that. Taking a risk on yourself. Yeah. That's really good. I also want to mention, even though we had Aries, the um, the Aries new moon a few days ago, it was in zero degrees Aries. And I think it's interesting because we've had all of these full moons. I think we've had four in a row since December. All of the full moons were in zero degrees. And then finally this month, and we'll I'm sure we'll be getting to this, we have Libra at 29 degrees Libra. But this uh, new moon that just passed was zero degrees. So here it is, a new moon at zero degrees. So it was a very Aries, fiery moon with a hot dash of Pisces. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so, you know, it's not your typical full moon in Aries, is it? It's, it's more, it is dreamy and romantic and um, um, emotional, you know, and considering we just had that retrograde in Pisces, I think there's a big, huge recap here. We have been going through portal after portal after portal after portal for months and months now. And what's conjuncting this um, this new moon in Aries is the, Plu the Pluto-Saturn conjunction is involved in this new moon in Aries. Now, as astrologer Rick Levine says, what's the most important astrological um, event of 2019. Well, it's a Pluto Saturn conjunction in ja of January 11th. And now, Kristen, <laughs> you like to watch him too. So, yeah. we both know, which is so interesting. And, and so, everyone's like, no, we mean this year. He goes, yeah, it's the Pluto Saturn conjunction on January 11th in 2020. So, it's basically everything leading up to it. Right. And, folks, it's game 
on, and this is why. We Saturn's about to go retrograde. It's not retrograde this week, but I think in a week or two it's going to begin to go retrograde. In this full moon, Saturn and Pluto are getting as close as they possibly can get before they're going to conjunct in tw- on January 11, 2020. So this sort of like leading up to that. We might want to consider what's happening now, what's been happening over the last few months, because there's going to be a huge link between this time as we go retrograde through Saturn and January 11th. So what patterns, again, are we breaking? What new goals are we trying to attain? Where are we manifesting? What manifestations haven't been working and why? What's going on in our lives? What seems to be slipping away that we're trying to hold on to? What do we wish we could replace? But the universe keeps saying, no, you're going to stay here. You're not going to replace that. All this stuff. It's great to be aware at this time and just um, know that we it is game on between now and that conjunction in, in on January 11th. Mm-hmm. It is so if you're feeling you're feeling it, you're not crazy. And this kind of goes into our curses, I think, actually, feeling energies. <laughs> You're not cursed. <laughs> We're just leading up into, into Saturn conjunct Pluto. And it really is game on. I don't know how to say it. There have been so many torches that have been passed between Chiron going into Aries, Uranus going into Taurus, all these zero degree, you know, full moon. I mean, it's just one thing after the other after the other. And we've got retrograde season coming in hot. So... It's a time to be just aware and taking care of yourself physically and meditate, even if that means simply breathing to quiet music five times a day. If I, five, well, five times a day actually would be great. But if it's five minutes a day, then that'll be good enough, too. So. And, and maybe because of the series, it's nice to go out and do some spiritual practices in nature. Yes. So enjoy that. Awesome. So before we start our show, Michael, did you have anything you wanted to tell us about upcoming programs? Yeah, guys, we have some really great shows coming up over the next little while, and I'm super excited. Um, Next week, we are going to have our first uh, visit with David Ullman. He'll be on the phone from his haunted house in the Hollywood Hills. And for those of you that, I mean, David and his hosts are pretty famous. They've been all the ghost hunter shows, and anyone who's everyone has ever been there from celebrities and A-list celebrities like Sylvester Stallone, ghost hunting, to... You know, as I said, all the guys on the shows. Um, his home is up in Benedict Canyon. It's a few feet from where the Manson family did in Sharon Tate and all those people. Um, we, Chris and I have been there on several occasions. We've known David for probably two decades now. And it's a pretty interesting place, and he's a very interesting person. So I think we're going to have a really great time with him. Um, so tune in for that, especially if you guys are into ghosts and things that go bump in the night. Um, the following week, on the 21st, we have Jim McGrath coming back, and the show will be on Angels and Demons. So we're going to have a look at that for Easter. I guess that's somehow <laughs> interesting or appropriate. Maybe not. <laughs> a little sacrilegious, perhaps, but we'll make it work. Um, and then we have a, another guest, a friend of Krista's, coming on. And then in our first show in May, um, to balance this show on curses, we're going to do a show on blessings. So... Um, you'll know that we're not all about the dark. You know, we'll certainly look at the light things too. So those are basically our shows coming up, I think, over the next little while. Um, and we'll have more great shows in May. 
Um, so pretty excited, and, and I think it's going to be awesome. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to the topic tonight. Uh, I actually did a lecture on curses at one point for our Masonic Lodge, so uh, I'm a little versed in it. I know Krista's been, and Kristen have both been researching like crazy, so I'm sure we're going to have some good ones. But I did want to mention one that I just learned about right off the top, and I'm going to kick it back to you guys. I was talking to a, a client the other night, and we happened to get onto the topic of curses, and she said, did you know about the Border Clan curse in Scotland? And, of course, me being of Scottish heritage, I was surprised I had never heard of it. And what it was was the Archbishop Bishop of or I can't talk tonight, Archbishop of Glasgow back in the 1500s was really pissed off at the border clans for all their thieving and pillaging and making life miserable. So he laid this unbelievable curse on the border clans. And uh, I can't read it because, honestly, it would take the next hour to recite it. it it's that long. Wow. Um, and so I suggest that you guys go online and, and Google you know, border clan curse and read it. And it's from a very Christian point of view. So he's the plague of the pharaohs be on you and the flood of Noah will destroy you. And, and, and but I mean, this guy was pissed because I mean, it's unbelievable. So as I said, I, I think it's worth a look and you guys should definitely go online and read that. So I'm going to kick it back to you guys and uh, we should have a great show. And uh, I'm sure I'll jump in because I love this topic. So have fun, guys. Great. And yes, it's Renee Starr that's coming on at the end of the month, and she's a wonderful person. We're not sure of the topic yet, but it'll be great, and we'll announce it probably next week. So I, I actually wanted to briefly de sort of define a curse based on the dictionary. So I like the Oxford Dictionary. It says it is a solemn utterance intended to invoke a supernatural power to inflict harm or punishment on someone or something. And the other uh, definition came from the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia. And I'm not going to read it, but what they say in it is that it's not just considered to be a wish. The curse itself is considered to have the power to have the effect. Now, whether that's true or not, that's what we're going to look at tonight and explore with some of the famous curses and what we think about curses. So it's different from wishing harm on someone because the curse itself has power to inflict whatever the harm is. So I, I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, so that's a little definition, but I thought we'd break it up into sort of three parts. We're going to talk about some famous curses, talk about symptoms of cursing, and finally, of course, remedies for cursing. We don't want to leave you hanging. Uh, so I would like to start with a famous curse. And did you have any famous curses you want to talk about, or I'll jump right in? Jump right in. Okay, so basically... Um, you can, in, in all cu cultures, there are curses. And I'm not going to go over all the details. I'm going to go over probably King Tut's the most because it's probably the most fascinating. But in the Bible, there are tons and tons of curses. <laughs> and I knew that the Old Testament God cursed a lot, but I really had not realized how much. And, and the word curse is used. So we have, of course, you know, he curses the serpent. He curses women. He curses, you know, in the Cain and Abel story. And then there's, I forget which which book it is, but there's a, a book where it says at the top, cursings and blessings. Wow. And there's tons of different curses. And so usually because I'm an, a tarot reader, nowadays I always think of more like pagan curses. And, and really curses go way back in time. And Christianity has some really, really evil curses. <laughs> uh, so that that's that's one. Um, also besides the Bible, this is just an interesting aside that I discovered. It's called the curse of Scotland and evidently it's the card, the nine of diamonds. And it's supposedly cursed, uh, for two, a couple of reasons. One, they, it was the playing card used by Sir John, 
Dalrymple, the Earl of Stair, to cryptically authorize the Glencoe Massacre. And you have to look that up because it's pretty awful, you know. It was against the Highlanders, and supposedly he wrote on the back of the Nine of Diamonds, and that was why this is a bad card. And then there's another reason given is that the Duke of Cumberland is supposed to have scribbled the order for no quarter, which was to hunt down the supporters of Bonnie Prince Charlie on the back of the Nine of Diamonds, which, mm -hmm. by the way, the Nine of Diamonds equivalent is the Nine of Coins. Right. Not the Nine of Swords. Interesting. Ah, yes. I thought that was kind of cool. There's some other stories, too, but those are the two most popular. So that's called the Curse of Scotland. And I, I just thought that was a funny one. I'd never heard anything about that. Um, then Michael might want to comment on this one. We have, a, a, of course, a presidential election coming up in 2020. And even though it seems like the curse, the president's curse or Tecumseh's curse was broken by Reagan, we're not completely sure. Uh, and that curse was um, basically laid on by Tecumseh's brother, uh, Tenskawatawa, uh, he, they were both Shawnee tribes, and, and it was during the Western expansion by the United States. And, of course, they were treated poorly, and they were trying to hold on to their lands. And William Henry Harris attacked at Tippecanoe, and uh, Tecumseh was killed. And so his brother was supposedly the one that laid the curses on the presidents, and mm -hmm. kind of rightfully so, um, because they weren't honoring. Uh, there was a treaty, they, they the Fort Wayne Treaty, and they were pushing them around, and that, of course, is the horrible story of how we treated all of the Native Americans in this country. So it was, um, it's, it's every, any, I think it's anything that ends with zero, any year there, uh, a president has died in office up until Reagan. But as we know, uh, Reagan was almost killed. Yes. And even George W. Bush, evidently there was two times, one was a grenade um, that, was thrown at him, but it didn't go off, but it could have. It was actually armed. And then he almost choked on a pretzel, I read. Oh. So they both kind of made it through. So we don't know if that means the curse is done or in 2020 would that put the person at harm. So I thought that would right. be. Yeah, just to sort of elaborate on that too, um, the curse was any president elected in a zero year would die in office. And historically that's been the case, whether it's Roosevelt or Kennedy, um, Harding, I think. Um, so all of them since that time have that were elected in a zero year. And as you said, Reagan um, actually was killed in a sense. His heart stopped and he was revived after a couple of minutes. So he was dead for a couple of minutes. And right. then uh, with George W., as you said, he escaped rather unscathed. So either one of two things. It's sort of over the, the centuries, the curse has started to weaken. And we can talk about how to sustain curses and how difficult that is. But the other possibility, especially when it comes to George Bush, of course, is a lot of people thought that he really wasn't running the country. Cheney was. I remember Cheney had his massive heart attack and had to have a, an artificial heart put in. And if you actually were to he has to wear a medical bracelet because if he is unconscious and they look for a pulse, they won't find one. An artificial heart doesn't create a pulse. And people would think he's dead. Um, so, so he's kind of like a walking zombie. Um, so it's really fascinating. And, and 2020 will be very interesting to see what happens and if the curse is still a, a part of American politics. But it is definitely peculiar, and, and it definitely is true that every president in a zero year that was elected has never survived in office. You know, they've always died in office. Yep. There was one comment somewhere, I forget the man's name. He said that um, in every year where the presidents died, Jupiter and Saturn were conjunct in earth signs. So I was going to see huh. that, that it could have been also astrological that they yes. were prophetic 
Yes. And there is a uh, there is a prophetic curse where you're basically prophesizing that this is going to happen, this this horrible thing. Right. You're not really laying the curse down. And so someone thought that they knew about this, and that's and this, his brother, Tecumseh's brother, was a prophet. He was very right. much a mystical uh, Native American. So I thought that yeah. was interesting. So probably the most famous curse is connected to King Tut. And um, I've never really honestly looked at the details. I just knew that, you know, people had died and who opened the tomb. And and when you look at the details, it really is creepy. Um, so it's not just that they die, but the, so the, the most famous one was Lord Carnarvon. He was the chief financial backer on many of um, Howard Carter's excavations, and that he was the one that discovered King Tut's tomb. So, uh, and he was one of the two who opened the tomb. Now, he didn't believe in the curse. So someone had asked me uh, on my Facebook page today, you know, is it because you believe in the curses? In the case of King Tut's, um, a lot of the people that die actually state they don't believe in the curse. That's another thing that's a little creepy about it. Right. Um, so anyway, he... So if you curse, say you believe in it. <laughs> yeah, and, and I guess maybe, I don't know, maybe on a subconscious level they do, but he... Right. He died from a mosquito bite that got infected on his cheek. And when they did an autopsy on King Tut, there were similar lesions on his face. So that was the weird creepiness. Mm -hmm. And then when he died, Carnivorn died, all the lights in his house blew out with no explanation. And I read another account that said all the lights in Cairo went out. So I don't know which one is really true because there's a lot of mythology. And interesting enough... um, we should do a show on Arthur Conan Doyle because he pops yes. up everywhere. So he yeah. was he believed in the King Tut um, curse, and he thought he wrote that, the Conan books, just so you all know. Yeah, Sherlock Holmes, and uh, he thought they were that they were caused by elementals created by Tutankhamun's priest to guard the royal tomb. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was kind of neat. And so there's there's some other weird things with the the King Tut curse. So one of the other ones I'd never heard of was. In uh, 1972, on the 50th anniversary of the tomb's discovery, they wanted to bring some of King Tut's artifacts to the British Museum. And the director of antiquities, Dr. Meraz, he handled uh, the objects and died the night after he handled it. And then it was also um, a mosquito bite that killed oh, him. Interesting. But his last words were, were supposedly, I see him. He calls me to him. He comes to take me. Like he saw mm. something. So that one was interesting. And finally, the last part, um, you can. there's a whole bunch of stuff with King Tut, was the airmen that were carrying the artifacts at that time, they fell victim to the curse. Three of them had heart attacks. But the strangest one was this one fellow kept having a heart attack every year on the same day that they had flown the relics until he finally succumbed to it and died. Wow. And, and to me... You know, you'll see That's the skeptics. Harsh. It is harsh, and 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 you'll see the skeptics say, "Well, you're not everybody died, or but the way they died and some of the details, I I don't know. It's it's very strange. I think. Yeah, absolutely. So I I say, you know, go look at some of the other things that you know uh, about the King Tut's uh, curses. I did want to mention where I did get a lot of this information because they have other uh, Egyptian things. It was from an article by Tamar. Alter Burma Kayan, and it's called Disturbing Instances Where Ancient Egyptian Curses Seem to Come True, and it's on Weird History's site. I can put the link in, in our afterwards on under our YouTube video. Mm-hmm. So that that's a little bit about famous curses. Did either of you want to add anything to that? 
Um, no, I, I mean, I think that it's really fascinating, the, the curse stuff. And, you know, again, it, these things are just peculiar, and there's no doubt that it, it just seems to defy statistical probability, you know. What are the chances that all of these people are involved with this? Um, I know one of the other curses that we were going to mention was the Jacques de Molay curse, and I know you were researching that one as well. So you might want to give us a quick insight into that one. I didn't write all the details, but I remember most of it. So, you know, Jacques de Molay, he was the glass grand master of the Knights Templar. And uh, he was uh, not only tortured, he was an old man when they tortured him for over seven years when King Philip just wanted the money. And he he really did a wrong to the Knights Templar and made up a lot of lies. And he just he didn't want to pay them back. And so they tortured him for, I think, seven years. And then when they decided to kill him, it was slow, burning him to death slowly over a, a pyre. So as he's dying, he basically lays a prophetic curse saying that within a year, King Philip and uh, Pope Clemens, I think was the one, Clementine Clemens, that was involved um, with his destruction and anyone involved would die within a year. And they absolutely did. But not only that, he wi- it wiped out all of King Philip's heirs. So it all happened in the time frame. He wasn't necessarily sick. I forget how. Um, so I w- always remember that because it seemed like it was uh, a fair curse, right. <laughs> and and I mean just the the brutality in which they they treated the Templars was just awful, and uh, he it it came true, and it's you know it's historically provable. So that that one I I think is a, a really fascinating one. Don't mess with innocent people who you know, and and uh, I think there's some power to that that kind of righteous curse. Absolutely, we're talking a little bit about the power of intention, so to speak, you know, manifestation mm-hmm. are words when you, when you really believe something, being able to, to manifest it. Yes. Um, which we all have. We do. And I'm sure he was pretty angry, which Absolutely. seems to be one of the fuels of curses is anger. You have to get really, really, really angry. Because that anger um, forms like an energy, you know, a very, very power, very powerful energy where something can really happen, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, I I mean, I believe that, absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's actually one of the things about curses that's really interesting is that the energy it takes to create one. And one of the things that we've noticed is that there's sort of different types in the sense the King Tut one was to protect the king. And so it was more of a protection spell, really, more than a curse in that sense, that it was trying to protect the, the king. Um, but a lot of them, it's really that primal anger um, in the case of the native curse, again, his his brother had been killed, his village had been wiped out. It created this really primal anger that I think generated the energy to be able to do that. Um, in the case of, of the Knights Templar curse, again, that, that same kind of, you know, righteous indignation and deep, deep loathing anger at the injustice and so forth of everything. Um, and I think that there probably, it needs that kind of energy, I think, to really be effective. Um, and I, I think that's probably a good thing. Otherwise, I think we'd be going around cursing each other all the time and the world would be a real mess. So so it's a little, you have to be angrier than if someone steals your parking spot. It has to be a very deep anger. Uh, but I'll tell you a quick personal story was when I, my first tarot reading um, many, many years ago, and Krista and I have done 23 or 24 years almost of this now. But I, I sort of said to God, I said, look, you know, it's my first 
time doing a reading for someone, please send me something easy. And it ended up being the first person that called was this woman going through this horrible divorce, and it was this total mess. And I'm like, oh, dear God, please don't do this to me. I don't want to do it. I wanted something easy, my first one. So before I'm supposed to meet her, this guy calls, and he wants to get a reading. And I think, oh, thank God, you know, it's going to be something easier. And so I get there, and it's this guy from the Middle East, I think Saudi Arabia, whose family has been placed under this curse by this woman that's worked on it for years, and his family's going through all this suffering. Um, and I'm thinking, you know, God does have a sense of humor, and he doesn't like to be talked to, you know, because <laughs> obviously he's making me making me pay for this. So I, I talked to him about curses and how to break them and maybe some protection kind of stuff. But in his society, it was interesting. He almost felt powerless that he wasn't really allowed to protect himself. And, and so it was really tough for me to come up with a way to, to help him. So finally, I said to him, look, we believe, especially if this woman has done this just for money, for a rival family, that, you know, kind of what goes around comes around, and the karmic backlash for that has to be substantial, and I would think that she'll suffer ultimately for doing that. He said, well, as a matter of fact, she just had her leg amputated with gangrene. Um, and so it, it's, it was my first brush with real curses, you know, in that sense, and I, I believe he was telling the truth. So fascinating stuff, you know. Yeah, I think culturally there are certain cultures that take curses more seriously and actively, and certainly in Middle Eastern cultures, it is like a legitimate thing. It's They're not just saying it in their head. Um, I did want to add that I did forget to say what Michael's right on King Tut, Tut's tomb. The reason for the curse was for disturbing the tomb, and that was the theory that, that um, there's supposedly inscribed near the door, death shall come on swift wings to him who disturbs the peace of the king, which I don't even know if it's true, but that was the reason. It was They're trying to protect um, the body. And I wanted to add right. that, that it does seem like the people that disrespected the culture and had that intention, as you were talking, were the ones that died. They didn't believe it. They poo-pooed it. And I'm like, the Egyptians were so really serious about their dead and the rituals around it and right. and I think that disrespect is is well, was part you, if, of the, if the you reason. Have people vehemently who feel disrespected and humiliated and it's a, and it's a circle a huge circle of people in in a culture. They all even if they're not intending to put a curse, that collective energy will create it. Right, like a thought energy or a thought yes. form, and so. Um, so I, I think that uh, we've done enough about some examples of curses. What I'd like to sort of talk about now are how do you know if you're cursed? And and what do you think about that, Kristen? How do you think people would know they're cursed? It's interesting because I was having this conversation just the other day with someone. And I, I kind of was having this conversation. And I was like, you know, I think so-and-so might have cursed me. And, and I wasn't even thinking of this show at the time, I have to be honest. And then, you know, I, it came back to me today when, when I was preparing. Um, but I had this feeling that an ex-lover has cursed me, someone from five years ago. Mm -hmm. And it, it, this is a person, uh, Italian. And to be honest, that culture is... Uh, way more accepting of that sort of thing than here in America. There's like pods, I think, of people that kind of really take curses seriously, but it's not a typically American thing mm -hmm. to take curses seriously. Otherwise, we would not have screwed with the Native Americans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how did I know? How did I, why did I say that? And that's an interesting thought. It's an interesting question. I mean, because I mean, I have, I was thinking 
this person really even they kind of were instigating the breakup it was sort of mutual but it was because of things they had done and something he said at the end about well I'm going to keep your number and you know when it's time I know there was something about that rang back to that where Mm -hmm. it kind of felt and he had some psychic friends Mm. and that he would that would advise him and it wouldn't surprise me if he said something five years ago like keep her protected away from all others until I can blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Be- and it has to do with how things have gone in my life romantically. And some per- people might say, well, you know, yeah, you live in a big city. You're having trouble dating. Yeah, the apps stink. Why would you think that you're cursed? There's just some sort of gut. So literally, I, I asked a, a friend, a psychic friend of mine, you know, can we look into this? I'm just curious mm-hmm. if this, per- because there just seems to be an added layer of some sort of um, discontentment. It's it's emotional. It's not just, oh, well, I've been out on a bunch of bad dates. There's something that feels like, something feels wrong. And so I, I know that seems odd to say, but there's something about a feeling that you just have, that people can give you evidence. You could say, well, they, you could, well, I think I'm cursed. Well, you know, this is logical why it wouldn't be a curse. Sometimes you just know. I mean, what do you think about that? I was reading about this one fellow was talking about different kinds of curses. And one he suggested was the binding curse. Mm. And it prevents you from doing something. It makes you, you know, not, it blocks you. So maybe it's a little more subtle curse than there's one that's like a mayhem curse where basically your whole life is like a horror movie (laughs) it's like one really bad thing after another i said oh i'm glad i don't have that one the shadow really is following you right it's like (laughs) so maybe it's kind of a binding curse in your case because it's kind of blocking you from being able to go forward in that life in that area of your life in the way you want to even though you do the work and you do magic and so yeah i I, and i also I, i think he also did say if you just go in deep meditation and really relax and just ask yourself, do you really right. think you're cursed? And I honestly, I've been um, very optimistic about curses up until, you know, maybe about eight years ago. And I'm not typically paranoid about curses like a lot of people are. But right. I have come to think that, you know, I, I'm not important enough to get a really serious curse, but I am in the metaphysical world. And right. there's a lot of petty feuds, there's open witch wars, and you never know who you might just, you know, do something or say something that you might have something that's a minor curse. Or I do think there can be kind of like past life curses, personally, where something comes back yes. maybe at an astrological moment that's connected to a past life event. Right. Like, a, like an old curse, you know, coming. Well, and it's interesting, you know, for me, it was some what it really broke the kind of like the bucket for me was I in these in this particular oracle card reading that I was doing for myself, I kept getting a specific card with a specific phrase. And it was specifically attached to this person. And um you know, it's it's it felt very clear that that it was like this person was actually trying to come in and actually talk to me after all this time. Mm-hmm. Um now, I do think you probably could consult a psychic or a tarot card reader. And there are ways, you know, um, somebody, now, and I don't know, as a reader, I don't know uh, how you would necessarily read that in the cards. Somebody I know, if the magician is turned around, mm-hmm. it, for them, that could be black magic. Right. But as far as people consulting you, like if I were to come into you and say, 
I think I have a curse. As a tarot card reader, what would you look for in the cards? I, I'd like to interject something real quick sure. um, with what Kristen is saying. If you are going to consult a psychic, please stay away from the gypsy people when it comes to curses because they're going to tell you you're cursed and that it's going to cost you the rest of your income to get rid of it, and they'll, they'll prey on you and take advantage. So please consult a reputable person who's definitely not well, going to do that. Well, some examples of that would be when I was in my 20s, very early 20s, and I moved to Manhattan for the first time. I did get myself briefly entangled with that. And the person, I said, oh, I don't really have enough money for that. And the woman said, well, you can buy me a gift card instead. <laughs> so if anybody says, you know, and by the or I'm going to light these candles that you're never going to see, but they're in a special temple. <laughs> oh, no, I'm serious. Somebody said they're yeah. in a special temple out of the city hours and hours away that mm -hmm. I go to every weekend and then I light these candles and then every weekend I put them close or if people if it's if it just sounds ridiculous or it costs probably, a lot or costs a lot it, it probably is ridiculous yeah and then another thing um having done readings now for so long and we've done probably 20,000 each um it has come up a lot where people have said I think I have a curse right I can honestly tell you from the readings most of the time they don't um, and but there have been five or six times in, in all of those readings where I honestly couldn't say um, that they hadn't been. And in most cases, they knew that they were. Um, it wasn't so much, am I? It's more that they absolutely knew because the person told them, which to me is part of the curse. I think that most of the curses I've looked at in the, the voodoo tradition and things like that, part of the curse is to let the person know that they've been cursed because almost like the person saying to you, when the time is right, I'm going to do this or that or whatever, it's kind of putting it there that you're going to be aware of that. And, and then people sort of play into it. And um, for example, there was a, a curse where um, in the voodoo tradition, again, if you had a, a restaurant that had wronged you in some way, or you would go in and you would take a black candle, you would order a meal, um, you'd be by yourself, you would sit there quietly, you would light this little black candle, you would eat just very sparsely from your meal, and you would look like you were having the most miserable time of your life, you would say nothing to anyone, and then you would pay the bill and quietly get up and leave. And of course, the, the creepiness <laughs> of all of that, everybody at the restaurant that night would go home talking about this really creepy thing that happened at the restaurant. So part of that was laying the curse in a sense. And if the community knew that you were cursed, then of course they would want nothing to do with you. They'd stay far, far away from you at that point. Right. So part of that was that as well. Um, but there are definitely times where I think people can mess with people. And, and But it takes that real primal energy. Now in a relationship that's gone south, I can see that. I can see right. where a jealousy could be strong enough to create something right. like that. Right, or not right. even like a malicious, like King Tut kind of curse, but just right. literally a, you know, keep this person free and pure of others, or right. you know what I mean, just some, or just like a, you know, or or their intention could be to come back to you someday at some point. This could be so strong that they could be like, oh, keep them free from me, keep them free, and they're not even intending really to make you miserable, but it could be sort of. I mean, I don't mean to say it, but a. a a curse light you know what i mean it's mm -hmm. it's um because i do think we have the power to do these things ourselves mm -hmm. and we don't realize what our words and our intentions and the energy and the thoughts that we have um and i'd like to add that to a lot of curses are words and especially the egyptians now if you're a person one of the things i've noticed if you're a person that you mean what you say and you have a habit okay. of meaning what you say. What I feel, and I actually know, your words start to gather power. If you're a person that doesn't do that, you're not going to be good at cursing. So, you know, words are very powerful. But again, not everyone uses them in a very uh, truthful and powerful way. 
And um, so to me, that's part of being able to curse verbally. And that seems to be one of the most powerful ways to curse, actually. Right. Um, now, so, there are some symptoms and signs, um, some of which I've heard before, like finding creepy things on your doorstep. There are traditions that will leave things on your doorstep, symbols on your house that you don't recognize, uh, animals acting very strange around you, suddenly getting kind of wild and uneasy. Uh, though sometimes that can be my bad mood too. Cause I went, once had a dog kind of avoid me cause I was in a bad mood <laughs> it was pretty funny. My cat um, acts crazy all the time. Maybe so. I really am cursed. <laughs> well, cats, I think cats are very magical. They're very sensitive. And yes. then like maybe suddenly all of your, your house plants die for no reason. Infestations are supposed to be a sign of curse. Let's say that you suddenly have like a lot of bugs, like out of the blue, um, some people get worse things than that, and that that can be a sign of dark magic. I've heard that in many uh, many traditions. You can also this has happened to me uh, seeing someone curse you in your dreams, but in my case, it wasn't anybody I knew. And that the trouble with the dream world is it isn't even if it's someone you know, they, they can t have taken on that shape of that person to kind of mess with you. It may not be that person, so to kind of dig a little deeper. Well, that's what it was with this little thing that I'm talking about, I actually was doing a, an Oracle reading on a separate person. And all of a sudden this other person's energies were infiltrating. Mm. And it, and I know this, this may sound how I'm just going to say how it sounds. It's esoteric, but I had a kind of channeled message that said he jumped through the portal of our connection was what came through because it was quite clear that it was this other person after, you know. And by the way, I did get a bed bug infestation around that time as oh, well. that's a terrible infestation too. Yeah. yeah. Those, those are terrible. They're hard to get rid of. Yeah. So no, yeah, that's one of the ones I, and we've sometimes had some weird uh, infestations like out of the blue. You know, in Venice, you're going to get a little bit of stuff. <laughs> but well, we have but lots of energies have, like, here, that's yeah. for sure. So um, the other one that I thought was kind of interesting is uh, will-o'-wisps. And this can get confused with orbs that uh, ghost hunters see because there's supposed to be these lights that are sometimes like yellowish. Mm. Um, they're also called corpse candles and greenish and sometimes pale white that follow somebody. And that can be the curse and the, the person that's cursed you. So I don't know. That mm. would be kind of hard to decide if it's just a spirit. Is it a curse? I suppose if it was like a yellow or kind of the greenish color, Something. that's unusual. And you know? it is the feeling around it. You just have to trust your intuition sometimes about things. Like you just, sometimes you know what you know what you know. And as crazy as it sounds, it's what you know. Mm -hmm. It's true. And, and, you know, I know that after the show, some of you are going to go start looking to see if you're, you were cursed. And remember, <laughs> there's definitely remedies. And, and a lot of curses will run their course. One of the things I can see sometimes in the cards is that if it, the curses run its course. And I, you know, I'd be too long to go into how I do that, but I can kind of see, and a lot of times I, I kind of define it. And up to this point, I've been looking at more as like negative energy directed seriously against someone. That's how I, I see it in the cards. And I might start looking for something a little different um, than that with the curses, but you know, a lot of times it will naturally run its course too. Not all curses last long. And again, you think of the, the Egyptians had an enormous respect for magic and, they were a culture of magic. We don't have that anywhere anymore like right. they had it. So right. they're, they're, they probably were more powerful in a lot of ways with magic than any of us, really, yeah. because the whole culture believed in it, you know, and they worked with it. Uh, one, of the, one, of the, one of the things I found um, 
this is kind of fascinating. I'm sure a lot of you are going to do this after the show is there was a fellow, Neil Jansen. He had an article, um, has an article, the easiest way to break a curse or hex and keep it broken. And it's on exemplar.com. So he has this technique of determining just how likely you're cursed <coughs> using a playing card deck. Interesting. And so I tried it. <laughs> and, and I, I supposedly I'm 66.6% chance I was cursed around what I was thinking I was cursed around. So basically I'll run through it really quickly so you can sort of play with it and see. And again, don't take it all, you know, to heart. It has to resonate with you a little bit. And you have to kind of feel first, you've been thinking about why am I always having this situation, this one area, you know, not just suddenly, you know, out of the blue, I'm cursed for no reason. So usually people really do have a particular thing that they're looking at, whether it's their love life, their finances, their health, that just can't go away. It keeps coming and coming no matter what they do. Right. So um, I'll go over it quickly because it's really easy. You get a playing card deck, anyone, you take out the jokers and you shuffle the cards very slowly not like you would normally and don't make a lot of noises like, you know, sort of really loud noises, kind of gently shuffling it. And as you're shuffling it, you're thinking mindfully about why you think you have been cursed. And uh, after you feel like you've shuffled it long enough, um, you basically focus on your question at the end is what is what is happening to me the result of a curse? You stop shuffling and then you put the deck down face down and uh, in front of you. And then you, you're going to have three different piles. And um, one by one, you take cards out and you turn them up. And you either stop when there's an ace or you reach the number 10. And you do that three times. So you're going to end up with either zero or up to three aces. And you count it. So if you have obviously zero aces, you're not cursed at all. One ace is 33.3% .3 chances that you're cursed, which means someone might just be thinking about, you know, it's not really going to do it. Uh, if you have two aces, it's 66.6%. .6%. That means they acted on it. And then, of course, if you have three aces, you're really doomed. <laughs> so I, I think it was an inch. I don't know where you got that. And what's interesting in the Kabbalah, the aces are part of the middle pillar. And Michael right. and I use the middle pillar to look for truth. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of agreed with it. And you, you can use the tarot cards if you take out the major arcana but I also took out the princesses so I'd have the exact amount of cards percentage-wise and not have four extra. And, and so even though he didn't, he didn't suggest that, I think that would be good. And I, I think it's probably better personally having done it once um, to have a clean deck, like not one that you've been using like for me with other clients and stuff because it might have their energies in it. So maybe just a deck that you only use to check on that and you clear mm -hmm. it and you don't use it for playing cards or games like that. But, you know, try it and let us know what you think, if it worked, if you think, you know, it, it, it seems meaningful to you. But again, you're using the, the, the card system because you have an issue that just won't go away. So to just think you're randomly cursed to me seems a little absurd in life. It's sort of like, right, of course, you have of some course. kind of symptoms going on, right? You know, right, right, exactly. But I mean, I think like, and there's a difference between like a big mad curse and like someone who just had an intent, like a, a negative intention towards you, which is different from a curse. I think a lot of us are experiencing someone's negative intentions towards us, and it's not as detrimental. You're not gonna, you're not gonna die or get a heart attack or any of those other things. But you do want to be aware of it because you do want to protect yourself from energies 
that may not be, you know, productive. Another thing I just wanted to interject real quick um, is a, a part of the methodology of curses, again, is how they attach to us. And, and one of the most significant ways they do that is through guilt. And so for me, again, you know, the idea of not feeling guilty about things. Now, you may be totally innocent of whatever you're accused of by the person cursing you, but I feel guilty for stealing an apple from the grocer when I was a kid and I still haven't made peace with that. So it's super important to kind of make sure that you know that you deserve happiness, you deserve love, you deserve success, that you don't feel any sense of guilt or shame or anything from anything in the past. And that's you sitting in a hot bathtub with a glass of wine and a candle and just going through your psyche and trying to make sure that you you reinforce those positive energies. And one of the things I don't know if you guys know, in Catholicism, uh, there was a, a method for protecting against curses, and that was the absolution of sin. If you did something wrong, you were supposed to go to confession and do a penance, and then you were not supposed to feel guilty anymore since you'd made peace with God. And that whole ritual was actually designed to protect people from the evil eye and from curses and by alleviating the guilt which would then kind of give them the armor to be safe from the curse. So even in, in Christianity and in, in Catholicism, you see uh, this mystical aspect that probably most Catholic, Catholics don't even know that that's why they do confession, is that it protects them from the evil eye. Well, in uh, this great book called Spiritual Cleansing by Dreha Mikaharik, he said you should definitely get holy water or consecrated water from the Catholics because they know how to do it. It doesn't matter if you're Catholic. He says they just know how to do it. And I do have yeah. some. I have a, a friend that gave me some holy water and I think also some salt that was blessed. And I thought, yeah, they know about exorcisms and, and they take it very seriously too. So, yeah. you know, I think part of the remedy that you use, whoever's made the remedy should also put that energy in of that, I believe that this is going to work. I'm putting my full intention on it. And um, it's, it's interesting. There's, there's just a lot of things connected to curses that are connected to Christianity and Catholicism. There's a church uh, not too far away from me where I was there with my parents a couple months ago, and they actually have holy water out for anybody to take. They've got like the regular tabernacle where you can dip as you're coming in or leaving, but they actually had holy water in a, in a spout, and you could bring. You That's know, and cool. It, and it was really because I've been meaning to go down there and get it because you could get it in a spray bottle you know, or like in a little, and just have it around your house. Yeah. It doesn't matter what, it's all, we're all diverse. We're embracing diversity now. You know, it can be any religion. You don't have to even believe in God. It's just consecrated. Yes. And like I said, the Catholics definitely are we were, um, into their ritual. We were yes. actually in a Greek, Greek Orthodox church in Culver City. It had the same thing, that they had blessed holy water there, and you could bring in your little container and help yourself to as much of it as you, you well, and not as much of it, because you couldn't <laughs> right. bring Gallons, gallon pails. Gallon but, pail, but, but you bring a small container, and you were welcome to, to take the, the holy water with you. So we've definitely seen that, for sure. It's definitely a good idea, no matter what. Even if you're Jewish, go get some holy water. It doesn't really matter. It's just about that it's blessed and if if you if you believe in blessing it doesn't matter what religion you are or how if, if spiritual it's it's going to work i agree and and you know the mind is everything and i i do think that personally i think curses are real and i think blessings are real and i don't care what science says uh science is only one paradigm science gets a little crazy even though i love science in some ways especially astronomy they they get so like arrogant about well statistically you know, in King Tut's situation, it really wasn't that much of a difference of the people that died. And I've said, you know, dude, it was the way they died, too. Mm -hmm. And I said, uh, it, it gets, it's just another view of the world, empirical science. It's not necessarily right about things like this. Yeah, it might be right about, 
you know, certain facts, but it, it does kind of bother me when they get like so poo-pooing of all this, when it's right. it's been throughout history and cultures and how can you dismiss hundreds and thousands of years of this, you know? And and yeah, people get a little paranoid. I totally agree with, with um, you know, that and too many people think they're cursed and it's really just their own subconscious mind cursing themselves, you know? But before we, you know, we're getting closer to the end of the show, I did want to yeah. recommend some remedies. We've talked a little bit about the holy, the holy water and consecration. There's some really easy ones and that you can get from your cupboard. It reminds me of the Kitchen Witch show that we did earlier. Right, right. I'd be interested to see which ones you bring up. Well, um, chamomile tea. Drink mm-hmm. that. It's a very gentle one. So it's probably for more, you know, not heavy curses. You drink it every um, night for two weeks and it helps to break the curse. Eating cayenne uh, breaks curses and hexes. And I, they didn't say like how much or so, but you know, cayenne's great for you anyway. So I thought that was very easy. Um, my two other favorites were nettle. And according to, this is from uh, an article by Herbs That Protect Against Evil Spears by Jacob Rice at ghostlyactivities.com. That's a really, has a lot of really good information there. And he said that nettle captures curses and sends it back to the caster. I like that. And nettle's really good for women. Like um, Susan Weed's really big on nettle tea and it's got all kinds, it's got calcium. So it's all around good. And my uh, another one that's really easy is a bowl of vinegar left overnight. You can use any kind oh. of vinegar and supposedly it evaporates and that um, helps disrupt magic it stops ghosts and spirits from manifesting and keeps the demons away. So those are some of the ones that I found. Wow. Well, uh, Florida water is pretty incredibly powerful. And I know that when we're in the plant medicine ceremonies, they actually will give it to you to drink, and it's completely not pleasant. But it actually is a huge – it purifies everything. So having it around, you know, washing your hands with it, um, they even have um, Florida water soap now, um, dousing, kind of like spraying it all over. I put it in a spray bottle and I spray it um, all over. That kind of helps clear energies. It's very, very purifying. It breaks up a lot of um, very darker, darker energies. Also, salt, mm, like yes. um, especially like, uh, you know, salt bath. Um, going into the ocean, if you can like put your feet in the ocean, um, salt is very, very purifying as well. Magnesium, um, is another one that I was reading and researching about that can be, and even getting in a magnesium bath and Mm -hmm. soaking, um, the essential oils, lavender, um, uh, lavender, rose, lemongrass, chamomile, um, these, if you can get rose petals, mm. it's very, very purifying, um, rose clay and having actually, you know, kind of, um, oh, this was, uh, this was another good one. If to break a curse, uh, douse your hair in beer and you put the beer in your bathtub and then you kind of like dunk your head and then you chant, you know, to break the curse and which, and then you, but you do this like three times and that will actually, that's, which I thought was a really, it's got to be like an old school. Like, yeah, that, you know I just, I mean? just <laughs> want to warn you guys about one thing with that though. Um, you're very likely to attract Canadians when you do that, speaking uh, as one. So, so beer and hockey, right? So you got to be careful go. with that. Yeah. Find um, a Canadian in your bath. Too. Yeah, exactly. There'll be Canadians trying to get into your house or coming up and sniffing your hair. Um, but, but, but I did want to mention, and, and this kind of plays into that, that there's another very important element, and that's for God's sake, have a sense of humor. 
I think just a lightness of being, a lightness of soul is a very important way to break dark energy up. And we all suffer misfortune from time to time. And, and to be able to take it in stride and laugh at it a little bit is really disempowering a lot of that dark energy. So if if you have a dark energy, light a light, you know, be a spirit of light, you know. And I think that with good nature, good humor, it makes it much, much harder for that, you know, dark energy to attach and to yes. to exist. Well, I'm just going to like randomly read out of the little book of curses and maledictions, maledictions <laughs> for everyday use by, by Don Ray Downton. Since we have just a few minutes left here, I'm going to do a little thing like this. It's a collection of curses. Some of them are pretty funny. And then a few remedies that I, that is in my library I have at home. Okay. This is a good one that I just randomly kind of came on to. You've been fired. Get your job back. You'll need a candle, a match. Your pink slip, or if you don't have one of those, just your last pay stub. Um, if you don't have that, write fired on a blank page. Um, an ashtray or a saucer. At night in darkness, light the candle, step back, but watch the flame and say, thundering and lightning, wielding, I'll come. The flame will gutter and lengthen. Without minding what the flame does, speak thunder and lightning, wielding, cast down, bind, bind together. The green grower whom bore in her womb, he who stays in the neighborhood of, say, the workplace or the address of your workplace, just as they cast down the chariot of Pharaoh, so cast down his soul, his choice, his measure. Cast him down and shore him up to me. And hold the letter or the pay stub in your left hand. Light its bottom left corner with a flame. Hold it over the ashtray and let it burn. <laughs> now to bind, bind down. Bind together this ruling. Let it, let it overturn. Let it fall apart. Let it stay and let it stop from his hour and his, and his day forth. And then carefully put everything down and go... And say, now, now, now. And yes, if you wish to heal, you have to know how to hex. If you wish to bless, you have to at least know how to curse. As you can see, curses are not necessarily evil. It just It's all about intention. Yes. And in this book, one of the most interesting and fun uh, removal for curses, I can't read it, it's too long, it's at the end, but it's called The Spotted Hag, that name alone will get you interested and it's it's a hindu incantation that you say for 21 days it's beautiful you really ought to read it get the book um i i, I don't get anything by saying this i just love the little book and uh, read it and you're supposed to say it for 21 days you can make it a family affair if you have kids and in the morning do it i thought i'd try it just because i like the incantation <laughs> so they have one for everything there so, and they are light because sometimes someone just like really did screw you over because like they took the last orange at the grocery <laughs> store. You know what I mean? You really want it. You know what I mean? It's just silly. And I think it kind of kind of proves the point of being light about it, that it really is about our, our power of thought and manifestation. Yes. Um, because you really, one of my favorite things in here is there's one um, that says to break up uh, a marriage or a committed relationship and it said, and the first line of the of the curse says, "Do you really?" And like one of the ingredients is, "Are you crazy?" <laughs> you know what I mean? Because like you really do. You may when we're when we're feeling a certain way, it may be easy to say, "Well, I wish bad on this person," 
But do you really wish bad on anyone? Do you really wish it that bad that you want to take your energy and waste it on trying to bring negative to some somebody else when you could then take that energy that maybe they did you wrong and take that energy, pile it up and do something for yourself or for others that's going to create abundance and light. Yep. Very good point. So thank you for watching. Please subscribe, like us, leave comments. We really love you and we look forward to next week. Have a great week, everybody.